it is Friday, and here at Crepuscular Academy, the work of the week is done. The classrooms are dark and empty and mostly silent. The more dangerous textbooks have been locked away, so why don't you join us in my study as we delve once more into Dr. Longshadow's miscellany of the uncanny. Good evening. Welcome once again to Crepuscular Academy. I am Dr. James Archipelago Longshadow, and it is my privilege to be the headmaster of this esteemed establishment. It is still the half-term holiday here, and as such, all the pupils have gone home, and the staff have been sent away for much-earned rest. I myself spent a few days in contemplation on a beach of my acquaintance, however, I am never truly at ease when I am away from this place. After all, it has been my home, man and boy, for longer than I know or truly understand. And so I have returned to enjoy a period of peace and relative quiet. I say relative quiet because on occasion this week I have become aware of footsteps coming from the rooms at the top of the school. These rooms are unused and indeed off-limits to the pupils. This phenomenon will, I fear, require some investigation. However, I am not afraid to admit that I am loath to climb the stairs on my own. I shall wait. Normally, I would be entertaining the pupils with a tale at this time. If you don't mind indulging me, I shall share this week's tale with you. Perhaps I shall feel less alone if I am alone. No matter. Please, uh, sit back and relax as I share this week's tale from Dr. Longshadow's Miscellany of the Uncanny. There was great excitement in Class 6B on the last day of term. The time had come to decide who was going to look after the class's pet rabbit for the week's holiday. Normally, the rabbit, who had been named Dracula following a lengthy class discussion, and despite the teacher's best efforts, "'Cause he's got big teeth what are like Draculas,' had been the deciding argument. Normally, the rabbit went home with the teacher, Mr. Cranthorpe. However, this half-term, Mr. Cranthorpe had decided to take advantage of a kind offer from a friend who lived in Spain, and spend the week recharging his batteries on a sun lounger. And so the offer had been made, using the excuse of teaching the children about responsibility, for Dracula to go home with one lucky member of 6B. This announcement had caused general uproar amongst the class, and had caught the imagination of one young man in particular, Kenny. Kenny lived in a flat above the fish and chip shop with his mother. Their landlord, Mr. Henderson, of Henderson's chippy fame was crystal clear, adamant, and intransigent on the rules regarding pets kept by tenants of his various properties. There was one rule, and that rule was no. Therefore, living in the flat directly above the hub of the Henderson Empire, 
meant that there was absolutely no chance of keeping a pet. Kenny had once toyed with the idea of getting a goldfish, but on reflection he had decided that making a fish live above a fish and chip shop would be a cruel and unusual form of torture. He had imagined the poor thing swimming around, twitching in nervous apprehension of a hand reaching down at any moment and dropping it into some freshly made batter. No, Kenny knew he could not keep a pet, but he desperately wanted one. He loved animals, and the absence of a significant furry friend in his life was a constant gnawing in his soul. So when the chance came to look after Dracula, he couldn't help but get excited. Surely, he thought, a week couldn't hurt. There were plenty of places he could hide Dracula's cage, and his mother would be working most of the week, so he'd be able to let the bobtailed chap out for lots of exercise. He was all set to volunteer when Mr. Cranthorpe threw a large, parental-permission-shaped spanner in the works. In order to even be considered for the job of being Dracula's keeper for the week, pupils needed a letter signed by a parent or guardian. As it turned out, this wasn't too hard to obtain. Kenny had taken one of the letters and carefully folded it so that only the part that needed signing was visible. He had picked his moment, waiting until his mother was rushing and flustered, and then thrust it under her nose, mumbling something about a trip to the library. As he had hoped, his mother had hastily scribbled his name before leaving for work with a grumble about leaving things to the last minute as usual. Kenny had run to school with a letter clutched to his chest and slammed it down on Mr. Cranthorpe's desk. And so, on the Friday afternoon before the holidays, all the signed permission letters were put into a waste paper basket. Mr. Cranforth made a big show of rummaging around, looking up to the ceiling so he couldn't be accused of cheating. Finally, he pulled a letter out. He unfolded it. He read it. Gavin, he said. It's Gavin. Kenny's heart sank. Of course, there had only been a slim chance of his name being pulled out, but he had felt he was destined to spend the week with Dracula. But this is a story, and so for the sake of a story, fate intervened. Gavin had stood up to come and collect his prize for the week, and whether due to the excitement or because the universe has a sense of humour, he let out a huge and noisy gust of flatulence. In a split second, he saw his future school career playing out in front of his eyes. Now, such an event in, say, the nursery or the infants is almost a rite of passage, and is usually forgotten by one's peers quite quickly. However, to do this in year six, on the cusp of going into high school, is to unleash untold horror. Even as poor Gavin smelt the air around him grow foul, he knew that this would never be forgotten. He would have to try and go to a different school, or maybe he could persuade his parents to move town, or better still immigrate to a far, far country. The weight of realisation was too much for the poor boy, and rather than going up and collecting Dracula from Mr. Cranforth, he turned and fled the room. His wails of despair could be heard for quite some time after the door had shut behind him. Ah, uh, right, well, um, I suppose we'll be able to choose again, said Mr. Cranthorpe. 
And of course, the next name he pulled out was Kenny's. Long before Kenny's mother came home that night, he had managed to smuggle Dracula past the jagged-faced, beady-eyed chippy slaves up the stairs and into his wardrobe. He reasoned that it was warm in there, and the hours of attention he would lavish on his fluffy guest would more than make up for the cramped conditions he was forced to keep him in. He had given Dracula fresh lettuce and water before covering the cage with a blanket, being careful to leave a gap for air. He had shut the door slowly so as not to scare him, and then gone through for his own dinner. He managed to act normally through the meal, and even sat through an hour of television with his mother before yawning pointedly and saying that he needed to go to bed. Kenny slowly opened the door of his wardrobe and lifted the blanket. There was Dracula, happily munching on a lettuce stalk. The young man's heart swelled. This was going to be the best half-term ever. The next morning, Dracula was dead. If we could reach into the story and tell Kenny that it wasn't his fault, that Dracula had died peacefully and painlessly in his sleep of old age, and that even now he was happily hopping through the endless buttercup-strewn fields of Bunny Valhalla, even if we could tell him that, it would not have helped. All Kenny could think was that he, Kenny Morris, had killed Dracula and that everyone would hate him forever. He sat cross-legged in front of the open wardrobe door, tears running down his cheeks. In times of trouble or worry, a little boy's thoughts will most often turn to his mother, even, it must be noted, when the little boys are fully grown men. However, Kenny knew that if his mother had been there, he doubted that there was anything she could have done to help, and anyway she would have been volcanically, supernaturally angry with him. No, he had to sort this out by himself. Wiping his eyes and sniffing up snot, he found a piece of paper and made a list of possible solutions, but actually spent more time thinking of reasons why none of them would work. His list read as follows. Number one, buy a new rabbit. No, this was no good. He'd never find one that looked the same, and besides, he didn't have any money. Number two, save a Dracula had been stolen. No, no, mother would find out, and the police as well, and he'd have to spend the rest of his life lying. Number three, tell the truth. No, 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 and a thousand times no. Kenny's sorrow turned to panic. He started pacing the flat, clenching and unclenching his fists, making a strange whining noise that made him sound like a nervous horse, and... Then it all stopped. All the worry, all the fear, all gone. It was quite magical. A sudden calm washed over him as an obvious solution presented itself. He would bring Dracula back to life. Now to you and I, right-thinking, same people that we are, this might seem like utter madness. But to poor Kenny, driven almost to derangement, it made perfect sense. He knew what to do, but he'd have to be quick. He ran into the kitchen, unplugged the toaster, 
and carried it into the bathroom, where he plugged it back in using an extension lead. He filled the bath with water and then, completely ignoring any number of health and safety lessons he had sat through in school, balanced the toaster on the side of the bath. He had vague recollections of watching films where scientists in black and white threw huge switches and arcs of crackling electricity were the key to bringing back the dead. It made sense. After all, that's what they did with paddles that they used to save heart attack victims on television, wasn't it? Yes, electricity. That was the job. Next, he went to his mother's bedroom and started to rummage through her dressing table. He found lots of lotions and potions that promised to reverse the effects of aging. All those would do nicely, he thought. So he took them into the bathroom and scooped the gloopy creams into the water. It turned milky and oily colours swirled on the surface. When the bath was full, Kenny went to the cage. He tentatively reached in and picked up Dracula. This was in itself a brave undertaking for our hapless hero, as he had long harboured a loathing of dead things. If he passed some poor unfortunate victim of traffic, say a, a hedgehog or the like, he would close his eyes and hold his breath until he was sure he had passed it. Dracula was easy to carry, as he had already gone quite stiff. Moving quickly and holding his breath, Kenny carried the ex-rabbit into the bathroom. With as much dignity as he could muster, not wanting to actually prolong the physical contact any longer than was necessary, he gently lowered Dracula into the bath. The dearly departed floated and slowly turned so that his tummy was just bobbing above the surface. For a moment, a little voice of sanity tried to make itself heard in Kenny's head, but it had no chance of being noticed over the roaring waves of panic that were driving him on in his maniacal plan. He shouted, Clear! and tipped the toaster into the bath. This is what should have happened. Should. The toaster should have sparked, flashed and banged, causing the fuses in the flat to blow, and leaving Kenny standing next to a smoking tub of milky, vaguely rabbity soup. However, this is what actually happened. As chance would have it, young Kenny Morris had completely by accident hit upon just the correct amount of the correct chemicals in the correct proportion to just the correct amount of electricity on a day when the correct atmospheric conditions prevailed and the correct amount of solar energy was flooding the earth. It had never happened before, and it will never happen again. But at that moment, it did happen. Dracula lived! It was a short while later. The toaster had been drained and replaced in the kitchen. It was, of course, completely useless now. However, with no sign of damage, Kenny was pretty confident that he would be able to adopt just the right air of innocent ignorance when his mother next tried to make toast. The bath had been emptied and cleaned, and the tubs of makeup replaced. Kenny had managed to redistribute the remains of the various lotions between the tubs so that the amount he had scooped and glooped into the bath was not quite as noticeable. It might have pleased him to know that he had actually made the creams a little more effective by mixing them in this manner. 
There was now no trace of a drama that had occurred in the flat above the chip shop, a part that was from the sight of a young boy gratefully cradling a sleek black rabbit. Dracula sat contentedly on Kenny's lap, enjoying the ear strokes he was receiving. He wasn't quite sure what had happened. He remembered being stretched out on soft grass beneath a blazing sun one moment, and then finding himself being scooped up and wrapped in a towel by a small human. That was all he knew. Oh, and that he was hungry. Very hungry. Kenny was in a daze of relief. He had regained some of his sense, and couldn't quite believe that his plan had worked. All he really knew was that he no longer had a dead rabbit to deal with. He had brought some water and lettuce out of the cage for Dracula, but the rabbit didn't seem interested in either at the moment. He simply lay in Kenny's lap. Kenny knew he had to get rid of him. He didn't want to, but he realized that the stress of hiding his furry guest all week would be too much. There was also the thought of what he would do if Dracula died again. He quite correctly guessed that he wouldn't be able to repeat his trick of resurrection, and so reluctantly he decided to pack up Dracula and take him to Gavin's house. Gavin, who had originally won the raffle to look after Dracula, but had forgone the opportunity because of the unfortunate trouser incident. The boy would surely be grateful at Kenny's kind gesture. Yes, that was the way. Putting Dracula down for a moment, he went to put on his trainers and his coat. When he came back to the room with the cage, Dracula was not on the floor. Dracula was about six feet in the air, clamped between two huge, sausage-fingered hands. Standing in the living room was the immense, white-coated, batter-stained figure of Mr. Henderson, Kenny's landlord and the Emperor of Chips. "'What's this?' said Mr. Henderson, his voice a low, threatening growl. "'It's a rabbit, Mr. Henderson,' said Kenny. "'Oh, I can see that. What I mean is, what's the blooming thing doing in my flat?' It "'It's not staying, Mr. Henderson. He, he was just visiting.' "'Visiting? Visiting? Is it all its blooming holidays or something? Do you think I'm stupid, you cheeky little—' "'You've been keeping pets in here, in direct violation of the rules.' Well, that's it. You and your mother can pack your bags. And as for this, this rodent is going to be dealt with. I think I might ask Mrs. Henderson to make a nice stew this evening. With all this drama going on, Dracula had come to realise something. Well, actually, quite a few things. First, he realised that he had been having nice ear strokes, which, after everything he'd been through, he had really needed and had been thoroughly enjoying. But now, he was being roughly squeezed by this man, and he did not like it. Secondly, he realized he was still hungry. Thirdly, he realized what he was hungry for. No one crosses from one side to the other unchanged. Something is always left behind. What the Dracula had left behind was his love of lettuce and carrots and other wholesome sources of nourishment suitable for rabbits. He had come back with a completely different appetite. What happened next happened so quickly that later Kenny really wasn't able to help the police with their inquiries. Not that it worried the detectives. After all, 
and the poor boy was in shock. It wasn't surprising that he couldn't remember what happened after unknown assailants had ambushed his landlord in front of him and done what they'd done. If anything, the boy was lucky to be alive himself. But late at night, when it's dark, Kenny does remember. He remembers the way Dracula twisted round Mr. Henderson's tight grip. He remembers the way he lunged his head forward and buried those two sharp front teeth deep into the man's fat rolled neck. He remembers the flailing around and the futile attempts to dislodge the rabbit. Most of all, he remembers the sucking sounds Dracula made and the way Mr. Henderson lay twitching on the floor of the living room until he became quite still. It was assumed that Dracula had escaped amidst the chaos of the attack on Mr. Henderson by suspects unknown. Given the trauma that poor Kenny had gone through, no one in school held him responsible for the loss of a class pet. Quite the opposite. He found himself a centre of kind and supportive attention. In addition, with all the media attention, a local councillor decided that it would do her standing in the community no harm at all to arrange for Kenny and his mother to be rehoused in a much nicer flat, away from the grease and bad memories. This actually led to a full investigation into the woeful conditions in the late Mr. Henderson's properties and all of his tenants being rehoused. And if there was a sudden decrease in the number of stray cats, dogs and even the occasional stray person in the local area, no one noticed, apart from Kenny, and he was not about to say a word. Well, the time has come for me to dim the lights in my study and retire. I hope that you will be able to... Ah. I wonder if you can hear that. All being well, I will return next week to share with you another tale from Dr. Longshadow's miscellany of the uncanny. Until then, good night.